0: My guest this week on the show is Martin John. Martin is based in the UK. He's a freelance management trainer, a LinkedIn learning instructor, and also a Cialdini certified influence professional. More about that in today's show. Martin's areas are negotiation, management skills, and also procurement, given his substantial background in procurement and this week's episode is really fascinating for a variety of reasons because we're going to focus on particular things such as the kinds of clients that martin serves why he decided to become a trainer and work for himself and the kinds of products and services he offers clients who need people just like him this is the training business podcast
1: hey And welcome to the TrainingBusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett-Hayes.
0: Hey, welcome to the show. My name is Mark, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to another episode of the Training Business podcast. This is the weekly show for self-employed consultants, for trainers, coaches, people like you and me. And the focus is on the business of you making money from your knowledge, your experience, perhaps your programs, workshops, courses, keynotes, etc., things you've developed based upon your experience, expertise, and knowledge, and if you want to productize this and monetize what you know and what you've done, then this is what this show is all about. Now, maybe you've done some of these things already, or perhaps you're in the process of leaving a job to start up on your own. Perfect. That's what this show is all about. I'm a self-employed trainer. I'm a coaching business owner and a published author, and I've made plenty of mistakes. So it's always really great to have someone on the show who's honest about theirs. And that's why I think this week's episode is a cracker. Every Thursday, without fail, there is an episode of the show on your podcast platform of choice to help you wherever you are on this wonderful journey of working for yourself as an expert. I'd love you to click on follow or subscribe right now to be notified of great episodes as they come out. This costs absolutely nothing and takes only a couple of seconds.
2: Martin, welcome to the show.
1: Mark, thanks very much for inviting me on. Great to be on your long-running podcast.
2: Uh, it's ironic that this week you're the guy with the uh, professional podcast mic, and I'm the guy travelling with the kind of a make-to mic. Uh, but you're coming across loudly and clearly. And um, good. Let, let's let's start first of all with. with with your brand you're a trainer like most of us listening to the show correct let's let's start with with your brand martinjohntraining.co.uk or to give it the full url martinjohn-training.co.uk
1: thank you very much yeah it's not incredibly inventive my uh, my brand name but you could go one of two ways you could either give it a really cool cool edgy name that's a bit abstract or use your
2: name and that's what i chose to do okay so what got you into training and learning and development in the first place Okay, it's so a bit of a story here, Mark. So uh,
1: initially, I wanted to become a trainer, but a racehorse trainer back in the back in the day. So I love thoroughbreds, I love racing. I was probably about thirty kilos too heavy to to be a jockey, uh, but I did do some uh, a couple of couple of years with uh, a racehorse trainer in the UK. But anyway, that didn't work out. So I fell into procurement after I left university, and I okay. ended up in a on a graduate scheme. And lots of people actually within procurement do actually fall into it. It's not something that people kind of tend to seek out. So I did 25 or 26 years in procurement and supply chain. I did a six, six month stint in um, in recruitment as well throughout that. Um, but helping, helping people and presenting and being around people is always something that I that I really loved. And uh, you know, throughout those 26 years or whatever, you know, one does pick up. Quite a few skills along the way. You might not know it or recognise it at the time, but you do actually learn a learn a thing or two. So I guess throughout all of that, I wasn't really living my my purpose or a key guy. So long, long story short, in lockdown, I came across this um, LinkedIn learning. I'd never seen it before, and uh, I was brushing up on. I wanted to brush up on my negotiation skills because you know that's something that I did in my procurement life all the time. And I came across this guy called called Chris Croft who I think you've, oh, Chris, interviewed, yes. you've interviewed on this, on this very podcast. And so I, look, I took his negotiation training course. And I thought, wow, this, this guy's, this guy's pretty good. And I like the way he kind of taught the topic as well. His, his sense of humor and the, the levity he used in, in his courses, but he's very, very good at getting his point across. Took a few more of his courses again, same wonderful experience. And I thought, oh, I'll have a look what else he does. So on YouTube, so he has lots of videos on YouTube. So every time my wife came into my home office she saw his face on the screen it's like what's wrong Have you got some kind of obsession or something with this guy is there something I should I should know about at that time Chris sent her and I was on his subscription list and he sent a. he sent something like you know he's slowing down his his training business but he wants to help others to become trainers and I thought thought about it I thought you know I I share lots of the competencies that I that I I thought I did that to be a good management trainer you know I'm I think I'm quite personable. Uh, I like being around people. I think I can articulate a concept well. And you know, I like having with fun with people as well, and making them making a the day enjoyable. So I contacted Chris and joined his program went on his program of 9 months of how to become a management trainer right from the very first thing you know what to call what do you call your business for, for example and setting yourself setting up a limited company um what kind of subjects should you should you teach and then how to sell and how to get leads and all that kind of stuff and so Chris is based down the road from me as well so uh we met and we had similarities we like music we got a similar kind of irreverent sense of humor as well we just we just got on and then that's how I I thought this is a really good plan B for when the time comes comes along. And then it came along several months later in March 22. I was offered redundancy from a company I'd been working with for 13 years. I had a wonderful time there, but the time was right for me to try something else. So that's when I took the plunge.
2: And there must have been people who thought, why are you going into to training? Had you any questions or resistance from your friends or family as to the logic of um changing from that office role into now working for yourself as someone who sells their knowledge and experience.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> absolutely right. So lots mm-hmm. of people kind of um uh said that oh I was very brave to do something like that, which you know to you and me means stupid. You know, why would you throw away such a such a you know a high paying corporate job to do something totally new and totally something outside something you've done ever before. But um I believe that I had the the, the right skills to do it. It was just then a question of how to find the customers to to demonstrate that I've got those skills, and that's where you know we are. What fifteen months in, and that's where we are. That's where we are today. But yeah, lots of people were questioning. I mean, not directly to my face. A lot of people call it brave or decisive things like that. But what they really meant was, you've probably lost your mind. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you picked a specialism, I guess, then, which is something that uh, makes sense to you. It's based upon your experience. And for people listening, procurement is something which I encounter all the time. And I guess anyone who is trying to sell to an organization will at some point have some dealings with not just learning and development and HR, but also procurement.
1: Yeah, that's right.
2: How did that give you an advantage to setting up your business so you were able to figure out how to position things and how people would buy from a vendor like you? (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, you know, I one of the topics I, I teach is negotiation. So um, one thing that customers will learn from me is that you know, you know, if so, if if you're expecting some kind of um, reduction or concession from the other party, you know, you have to trade. The other party isn't just going to cough that up for free, kind of thing. So that's 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 one of the things. But I know how, based on my experience, I know how buyers think and what will really switch them off. And what are their hot, hot buttons to press, for example, in a, in a client meeting with them? Um, you know, th- things like trying to, trying to just push what you sell is, is never going to work. So it's more about understanding what the buyer's needs are. It's pretty simple, really understanding what their problems are. What are the issues that they have to resolve? What are their challenges they're trying to overcome in the business? If you can link your proposal to those, then bingo, you're, you're in rather than
2: the pushy sales technique. And from a procurement perspective, if you think back to your old job, um, what are some of the kinds of things that procurement people do that would filter out someone who comes in as a vendor or trying to sell a leadership program or some other kind of, of uh, product or service to an organization?
1: I think, firstly and foremostly, it has to meet a need you know okay. going going in going in cold is is not often successful and there's a couple of reasons for that the first one of the reasons is really practical so buyers tend to have be responsible for a broad number of maybe categories or areas of areas of spend and so their focus is divided across you know a whole host of suppliers and if you're uh, you know if 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 what you're selling makes up just a tiny component of their of their area of which they're responsible you know they're not going to give you the, the time of day typically so it's very 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 difficult to even get in front of the of, of the buyer to really have a, a meaningful discussion with them in the first place so that's that's the that's the principal
2: challenge okay so thinking of your business then who do you typically sell yourself to and why should someone buy from martin john yeah, <laughs> that's a great, great question. So
1: there are two streams to to my offering. So we talked about the the procurement uh, stream, procurement training, and so on, um, and that typically lends itself to to manufacturing companies because it's the manufacturing companies that spend. You know two-thirds of their revenue or with with suppliers, third party suppliers on buying in raw materials, ingredients um, uh, and components, packaging, all that kind of stuff. So it's main, main, mainly mainly manufacturing. And the reason that manufacturers sh- should should buy from me is because in many cases, especially medium-sized companies, they have very, very little procurement capability. They might have someone who's called a buyer, but effectively what those people are doing is just placing orders on suppliers. Mm. So there's a whole host of value that the company and those buyers may not even know that's possible and so because i've been fortunate enough to have this background in companies like toyota and and british american tobacco uh in packaging company Wrexham, you know i've been exposed and i've learned all those great skills that good procurement uh, good procurement teams uh, do you know and these big companies are lucky because they have a huge number of resources but there are some very basic things that a small company can do Uh, even, to dramatically improve the performance of suppliers and also the financial um, performance of the business.
2: And I guess if I'm honest, you are the kind of person I I fear coming up against because if I put in a proposal to a company, inevitably someone with a procurement lens is going to go through this uh, forensically and try to find ways to shave off some money off the bill or perhaps uh, create terms and conditions which you know, might make me think again, or at least to uh, re- re- rejig the price, shall we say. And I've had that experience recently. Um, so w- with your procurement hat on, um, what what kind of tips and tricks could you share with people that might help them to overcome, or not necessarily overcome, but to, to work better with
1: yeah.
2: someone who's in procurement yeah. and probably so, is going to screen them out as a vendor? Or yeah, play so, so firstly, what you've just described there, Mark, is really old school procurement. Okay. Where it's all about all about price all about trying to trying to squeeze and shave say shave money.